0: Hello, Internet. This is your husband host, Travis McElroy.
1: And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy.
0: And you're listening to Schmanners.
1: It's extraordinary etiquette. For
0: ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove.
1: Hello, dear. How are you? All right. Fall is here. I love it.
0: I'm all laden with meat and cheese. (laughs) Because this is part three of our super cheesy, super meaty charcuterie and cheese plate trifecta. Yes. the this w- is
1: kind of like this is like an accidental trifecta because when we received this question, yes, um, or this topic suggestion, really, um, we were like, "Oh well, this will be easy, like just put it all on a plate, right, but then we discovered as we as i uh as I gazed into the minutia <laughs> uh-huh. that these things are all very separate, they all have their own little, uh, like, origin stories yes. and such, and so they needed to be divided into parts. Here we are, part three.
0: And you mentioned that this was uh, a, a uh, topic suggestion. It was, thank yes. you, Abby, who uh, suggested charcuterie and cheese boards, and has given us Three weeks of content based off of that, which I was not expecting.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly what I
0: said. I know, but here we are. And here's the thing. I, I was very excited. This is also uh, just a heads up, going to be the episode that contains questions. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll be addressing those two. But this, I was very excited to get to this part of it, to talk about the cheese board. Because this, to me... I was more I was aware of like the idea of putting out some cheese Mm -hmm. long before I was aware of like charcuterie being a thing. Cheese
1: and crackers.
0: Sure. Um I have this weird, very clear memory of like growing up, like just getting a you know, that kind of like big rectangular hunk Mm -hmm. of like cheddar cheese. And a bunch of slices of that and crackers and just sitting there and like just watching cartoons. Well, we've or... talked,
1: I mean, it's kind of like what we're assembling here is like adult Lunchable. Right, correct, yes. <laughs> so what you had is just Lunchable.
0: Sure, sure. Right. But it was homemade Lunchable. lunchable. Homemade. It was a, a bespoke Lunchable. <laughs> farm to table. A farm to table bespoke Lunchable. <laughs> um. But yes, so like this to me, Listen, are we going to get into the history of cheese? A little bit. Okay. That feels pretty deep. We should probably get started.
1: Okay. Um, just- as
0: long as there's been old milk.
1: We all just to reiterate, so the reason that we, we spread this out so much is because a charcuterie board is just the meats, and you can add the additions, the snackums, like people like, you can also add cheese. Yes. But, but at
0: that point, the cheese is more like a condiment and not the focus.
1: Exactly. So what we are going to focus on today is a cheese board or a cheese course, right? Okay.
0: Um, because that's real. I mean, there was a time where it was like, when you're talking, we don't really do courses here in the u.s as a general rule unless it's like an especially fancy occasion Mm -hmm. but it used to be like if you sat down to dinner it was like well at least in you know the fancy well-to-do homes it was like you're gonna get like you know a soup course and maybe a cheese course and this course and a bread course and right it was all coming in waves
1: right um so there's the a la francaise which is the courses a la russe is often referred to as everything at once Mm -hmm. right so we have lots of different ways of eating and specifically so uh in italy meals start with an antipasto right which can be cheese and charcuterie
0: which for a long time when i was a kid i thought it meant just like the opposite of pasta (laughs) this is this is the antipasto
1: It's more like before the pasta. It it cancels out pasta. No. And then French meals typically have a cheese course after the main meal before the dessert.
0: Right. I've seen there are some restaurants probably now I'm thinking French based uh, where a cheese plate is included in the dessert menu.
1: Yes. Um, And English uh, traditionally have the cheese afterwards. It's meant to the idea is to like. Seal the stomach like cheese and port. Yes, right.
0: Okay. okay. To seal the st- <laughs> well, I, I mean, I get it. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't Listen, really. But I've eaten cheese. I understand why they would think <laughs> that. All
1: right. So cheese has been around since at least 8,000 BCE. Um, wow,
0: that's a long time.
1: Okay. Yeah. So
0: not as long as some things. I get, I'm unclear as to where what your response was meant to convey.
1: Not as old as meat. Okay. Okay. Right? Because... Well,
0: cheese isn't naturally occurring like meat is.
1: Right. But, okay, so we talked about in the charcuterie part about how it was probably an accident, like meat being smoked over a fire. Right. Where, although cheese also was probably an accident the first couple times, um, you had to have like access to domestic animals right right in order to get the milk needed to procure the cheese yes you You have to obtain
0: the materials as well as understand the process to do it right
1: right so it was after the plow probably um because this is when the nomadic people of probably uh The Fertile Crescent, which is, if you've you've heard of this, this is between the Tigris and Euphrates Rivers and kind of like where Iraq is today. Mm -hmm. Um, They had plows first because they probably settled and had farms that had domesticated goats and sheep at least. Yes. Um, So then they would harvest the milk and they realized that if you left it out in the warm conditions, probably like the sun, if we're talking like modern day Iraq, right? Uh, it would sour, so then the lactic acid made proteins coagulate, which caused soft clumps in the milk, like cheese curds. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: The, and just this process as you describe it is so unappetizing. You don't
1: know how cheese is made,
0: sweets? No, listen, I know how it's made. Hearing, I don't know why... The phrase became, you don't want to know how the sausage gets made, when how the cheese gets made is a far more upsetting idea to me. Well, you just got to let it go sour, and it coagulates, and basically it's bad, but then you eat it, and it's good. But it's
1: not bad. Uh, Yogurt's the same way. Yes, it
0: goes bad. (laughs) Like, it is milk that has gone bad, but tastes good.
1: So anyway.
0: Which sounds like I'm making, like, a femme fatale cheese character. Like, (laughs) I'm just milk that's gone bad that tastes so good.
1: So once the proteins make the cheese curds, you drain the liquid, which is called whey,
0: Uh right? Your curds and whey, yes. Mm -hmm.
1: And then these soft clumps can be eaten fresh or fried like delicious fried cheese curds. Which is Mm -hmm. one of the
0: best things on the planet. So (laughs) good. Yes.
1: Okay. If you're ever going through the
0: Minnesota airport, there's a Minnesota Twins restaurant (gasps) that has really good cheese curds. Just a little ham. And right across from there, uh, there's a chiropractor and a (laughs) playground. It's great.
1: It's great. We spend a lot of time in airports these days. Um, So then these curds, where they've been separated from the whey, is like the cornerstone of all the cheese products we have today, right? Okay. So cheddar cheese has these... These curds that are salted and introduced to bacteria and then squeezed. Uh-huh. Okay. That's what cheddar cheese means. Okay. Um, and then uh, softer cheeses uh, are different bacteria that's introduced. Maybe different rind washes, different waxes, all this kind of stuff. Like it just explodes out yes. of these out of this basic cheese product.
0: Yes. Because you have... I mean, but I assume... Yeah, I mean, if you just think in terms of, like, goat's milk, you know, cow's milk, whatever milk, right, you're pretty much going to get kind of the same base curd, right? You're right. talking about how you then take that curd and make it into the cornucopia of cheeses that exist. Right. Right.
1: Cheese was also one of the things that really helped Neolithic man uh, advance because even back then, actually, especially especially back then, lactose intolerance was a big problem. Well,
0: because we were just developing the very idea of consuming milk, right? We hadn't, like, (laughs) it it was not a thing that the human body was, or at least cow's (laughs) milk or, or whatever had lactose in it.
1: Yes. I mean, even, even human breast milk has lactose in it, but that's something that you, you grow uh, away from as you age. And so the protein digested enzymes. Same with most cats, enzymes. by the way. The
0: idea of, like, cats love cream.
1: Well, little baby
0: cats like cream. All
1: their cats, it tends to upset their tummies. Yes. Um, but the lactose is significantly reduced when you make cheese. Um, so it was a great nutritious source of this protein and enzymes uh, without all the, the tummy trouble.
0: Okay. okay. Thanks, Cheese.
1: So now we are up to the Bronze Age, okay?
0: When we made bronze cheese,
1: <laughs> no, that'll okay. break your teeth, sure. But cheese Unless was a Iron common Man. product used for trade throughout the Mediterranean era, makes area. sense. And uh, throughout Mesopotamia, cheese was not only a staple in the table, like in a meal, but also it was kind of like used for religious services, which is pretty cool. Okay,
0: yeah, tracks. Uh, I thought you were going to say medicinal as I was ready to hear about medicinal cheese. <laughs> I guarantee that's happened, right? Oh, we'll have to talk to Sydney.
1: Yeah. I I think so, right?
0: Sure. Medicinal cheese? Okay. <laughs> probably like you said, plug up the stomach, right? There's yeah, got to be Yeah, some... probably like for digestive issues. Right. Yes.
1: When they didn't know that. Anyway.
0: Let's stop you up. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. So, the modern cheese, as we know it...
0: I am the modern cheese.
1: ...really has to do with the discovery of rennet. Rennet? It's an animal byproduct produced in the stomach of certain animals, like cows, which can accelerate and control the coagulation I talked about.
0: Oh!
1: So, now, with the addition of rennet, this is where... The real explosion happens between cheeses. Um, Not literally. No, no, no. Okay. But it made...
0: Because the, I don't know what Rennet does, and I don't know how volatile it is. So like,
1: <laughs> the varietal explosion. Okay. Um, because it made it possible to create harder cheeses, which last longer, mm-hmm. which are easier to ship, which are easier to trade, which means global expansion.
0: Yes, like a, like a Parmesan, exactly. a very firm cheese, mm-hmm. crusty cheese.
1: Crusty. There were cultures all around the world that fully embraced the whole cheese thing, right?
0: Like, say, Italian, French. Yes. Uh, Wisconsin.
1: Okay, uh-huh. Uh, That's so it. That's all I've got. In In different ways. So South Asians would make paneer, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Greeks made feta, um, Egyptians made cottage cheese. Um, you know, all these kind of different flavors and techniques were available depending upon the region. Um, one of the things that really, like, spread, like, the cheese in the European world specifically, one or two different kinds, right, was the Roman Empire. Yes. So it was a, an essential ration, For the Roman soldiers. um, And things like Parmesan, Roquefort, Munster, all of these cheeses can be traced back to the Roman cheese ration because after the Roman uh, Empire fell, the cheese stayed.
0: Yeah. Totally. Listen, cheese, the cheese stood alone. Um, No, I'm sorry. I don't think you caught that. The cheese. Stood alone. I <laughs> think because yes, it's like sorry, the song. I was. I wasn't listening. Yeah, it's to like you. the children's song. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. just as long as we're clear on how funny I am. Go on.
1: All right, so let's let's move just a little bit closer to modern era.
0: <laughs> um,
1: sadly, factory made cheese. Yeah, started with the uh, Industrial Revolution because we, w- the demand was for large-scale cheese production. Yeah. Um, And not everybody wanted to make it themselves anymore. Yeah. I mean, because we were, you know, squeezed into tenant buildings and cities and you didn't have access maybe to a cow and I mean, the milk that you needed the was- I brought the price like,
0: down too. I mean, frankly, that's one of the things about factory-made goods is like- because you can mass produce it it's probably cheaper than going to you know your local individual cheesemonger and buying cheese by like the pound or the ounce sure. or whatever. Yeah. I mean not that that's good I'm I'm grimacing as I say it because what we have seen I think in a lot of things we talked about this in the charcuterie episode too right yes. you saw it go from like a very specialized skill and job and person to being completely condensed into like Yes, somebody pushes a button and it just happens to now we're expanding back into. But what if we focused on quality again? And what if we cared about where it came from and how it was made and how sustainably and ethically and all of those things?
1: So uh, the pendulum starts to swing again after World War II, like a lot of things that we talk about. Um, So in the last 30, 50 years, uh, the slow food movement and the interest in organic and locally sourced food has made a cheese making renaissance
0: which is great um
1: today the world produces 22 billion kilos of cheese a year wow and a lot lot of of cheese yeah and a lot of that is local farms that's good um because cheese can be highly regionalized much
0: like uh we were talking about like smoked meats like Mm Coca-Cola or uh, a salami or something like that where it can taste different in each place right because you're
1: exactly i
0: imagine like you could get down to like an individual like family of cow and like you know, a way that this one family processes this family of cows' milk, it being a specific cheese that you couldn't get somewhere else, right? Right,
1: and that's the marketing ploy, like right? wine, right? Like wine. Every every single like batch of cheese could be different depending upon the season and what uh, whatever was making the milk ate and where and if like the cows were happy. <laughs> I suppose so happy. I cows think that's make me- Happy cheese. That's
0: what. There's what I'm saying. I think it's important.
1: Uh, so. That is where I think is a good place to stop and thank our sponsors.
0: I agree. This week we are sponsored by Bombas. I like Whoa. a comfortable sock. Yeah. Listen, we talked about wearing airports a lot, right? Teresa and I, we travel a lot, we go to conventions, we do live shows, we walk around cities, you know? And man, you really appreciate a comfortable sock when you're doing that, you know? Because here's the thing. Listen, can I ask you all a very personal question? When was the last time you refreshed your sock drawer, right? Oh, do you have a sock drawer that's full of those socks that maybe you've pulled on one too many times and all the elastic is loose and maybe there's some holes in it?
1: Oh, yeah. I get holes right where my toenail hits right? it. Right. Yes. Because, I, you know, I've. I take care of my toes but that constant pressure. Listen
0: we got blades on our feet. That's it. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. We all got blades on our feet. We and all the got thing blades. is Hey listen if you're like me before I found stuff like Bombas you know you had like three pairs of socks that you really like to wear and then the rest were like oh no now I'm down to these socks right. Why not refresh your sock drawer And get a bunch of bombas bombas has a new line of merino wool socks that are made from soft warm and naturally moisture wicking merino wool designed with all of bombas's classic comfort features and for every pair of socks you buy this is my favorite thing about bombas for every pair of socks you buy bombas will donate a pair to someone in need which that's amazing bombas this is their tagline i believe and it's uh, i like it it worries me. I sorry. Bombas are what feet daydream about. I don't like the idea of my foot having an individual consciousness, but I understand what they mean.
1: Maybe it's because wearing them is like a dream.
0: No, I Come do. True. I understand that. I don't like the idea of when I go to bed, my feet began dreaming. That's we maybe when feet fall asleep they dream. <gasps> oh. Did it and
1: what they dream about? Bombas
0: So, buy your Bombas at Bombas.com. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash schmanners today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash schmanners for 20% off. Bombas.com slash schmanners. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. 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 Whoa, things are getting tense.
1: (laughs) So, when you think of cheese. Uh Uh-huh. What, what country do you really think about?
0: Okay, when you first asked me, probably France. Yes, right. But then my second impulse was Switzerland because oh. they got the Swiss cheese. Okay. Yes.
1: Well, France is the correct answer.
0: I cool. <laughs> I nailed it
1: because that's what I'm going to talk about. Uh. The reason I'm going to talk about French cheese is because they have over 400 types of regional specific cheeses, which is amazing uh, considering it's not like an enormous place. Um, And like we were talking about, they really embrace the idea of every family farm has their own family of milk producers and they make the cheese this way and they do the thing and they've been doing that for as long as they've had cheese thanks to the roman empire like i was discussing
0: earlier i've only ever been to france stopping in the paris airport but i can say pretty much with confidence i'm pretty sure france likes food so like i i think i think they deeply appreciate the artistry of food so i'm not surprised to learn that they are at the forefront Uh, it's the reason you say where do i think of i think of france right because they seem to me to be a culture that, like, is invested in the quality of individual foods. And I, you know what? Yes. Maybe I'm ruffling some feathers saying that. <laughs> but that's how I feel. That's just me.
1: So, um, like Champagne from the region. From Champagne
0: or Bing. Wait, no. <laughs> from
1: the region of Champagne. Okay. Um, A lot of the cheeses that we recognize today are named for French towns. Brie?
0: Uh-huh, named after Camember- Brie Larson.
1: No. No.
0: Uh,
1: Camembert. Yes. Is from Camembert, which is a town in Normandy, by the way. Okay. Um. So they tried to keep it a secret, but everybody was like, no, this cheese is too good. So that's why, like champagne, they had to, uh, like, say, you can only call it Brie if it's from this thing in Brie.
0: Is that still true?
1: Yeah, basically. Really? I mean, just like, you know. You can see lots of bottles that are labeled Champagne. Uh, they're not all Champagne. They're not real Champagne. They're like
0: Champagne-style sparkling wine.
1: Exactly. Unless they come from Champagne. Okay. Um, so here's the thing. You could make an entire cheese board just from the French cheeses. Mm. And because they're so delicious, that's what I'm going to talk about.
0: Okay. Well, or you could not. But now we're gonna focus on French cheeses. Never gonna focus on okay. French. Uh,
1: they're amazing. So here's the. thing. You could also
0: make one out of different kinds of cheddar. Go on, which you is could. my favorite kind of cheese. Go you on, you
1: definitely could.
0: Ooh, a nice Welsh cheese. Ooh, that's what I like. I like the English cheeses. Now, please tell me more about French <laughs> cheeses.
1: <laughs> French cheese has four categories: soft, semi-soft, hard, and blue. And the flavors are, they run the gamut. Um, Most of those cheeses from France are also seasonal. So you can get winter cheeses that are harder, summer cheeses that are uh, softer, and all this kind of stuff. Um, But, you know, here's the thing. If you're making uh, a French cheese style cheese board course, even... Um, you have a lot of those to choose from, and you could even make like a whole. We're gonna do a hard cheese course, and here's a summer one, and here's a winter one. And here. I think that's like, a pro level maneuver. Though. It is a pro level. That's maneuver. a pro
0: level cheeseboard maneuver. My advice: if you're starting out, you got your soft, your yep. semi-soft, your hard, and your blue. You're gonna want one of each, right? If yes. You're, because different strokes for different folks. And listen, here's a little top tip for me to you. You can get less of the blue because less people are going to be into that. That is a more special. Blue cheese, you know, you're talking about very pungent, as some might say, stinky cheese. Mm-hmm. Right. Not everyone's going to be down with that. And a little bit goes a long way. So you do not need to have as much blue cheese as you have of, say, like uh, a, a cheddar. Right. Or a brie, as you're saying. Right. A brie is a more spreadable cheese, a little bit milder. More people are going to get a brie than they're going to get, like, you know, a blue cheese.
1: Um, and again... Uh, a lot of these cheeses also pair well with bread, like a baguette mm. and crackers. Um, uh, when you use a cracker, though, it shouldn't be overly seasoned. Again, you're trying to let the cheese shine. I
0: I, I, rem- I, I hit on this on the last episode. I would say rather than cracker, I would think a wafer, right? Yeah. Thinner, less bready, less flavor. It is a conveyance, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: But again, like the French do. You don't even really need those for yep. cheese. <laughs>
0: nope. Pick it up. Most
1: are fairly easy to pick up with your hands. They have, if you don't have um, a hard cheese, uh, usually a lot of the softer cheeses have rinds that are edible. So you can pick it up there. You won't get so messy.
0: Yes. I think in general, if you're doing a soft cheese, though, Brie, you need some kind of conveyance, right? You need something to put it upon.
1: Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and so, what you need to think about when you serve your cheese board, you know, your different types and flavors, but also flavor enhancers. Um, almonds are often good because they have kind of a a rich flavor, um, but but still, like they're not like mouth coating.
0: No, they're a good uh, palate refresher.
1: Exactly, like I said, uh, apricots. Fruit spreads often are paired with like breeze and camembert uh, just because they tend to bring out the different notes, like an mm-hmm. acidic note, if it's something sweet, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but a lot of things, everything goes. Uh, pickles, olives, honey, everything that, you know.
0: Especially, by the way, olives and blue cheese is very good.
1: <laughs> you do like that, I don't do. you?
0: I I like it a lot i Um, like the pungent cheeses in small bits right i think they are one that you especially need to pair with something because they can be a lot on their own uh, but paired with the right thing is great but here's the thing you're talking about like accoutrement right yes i would say you also need to think about hardware because i would say unlike meats different cheeses as we're talking about soft semi-soft uh hard and uh blue like need different utensils. Certainly. Especially those hard cheeses, right? You need to think, that's why for those, I really like um, a little bit serrated, where you're going to slice, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than just chop straight down. Because sometimes with the hard cheese, it can end up just like crumbling or breaking instead of slicing. Uh, so you want to be able to saw it a little bit with a soft cheese. You want more of like a palette knife, right? Nice and broad knife that you can get a hunk of to spread on the thing. Um, blue cheese It's going to crumble a little bit Because it has the natural Like breaks and separations in it So you want Maybe a little bit More of like a scooping thing For that Like I, And and different knives We have this really great board That I love That has like the top You know It's got kind of a marble top mm-hmm. And a little drawer in it Then when you pull it out Has four different utensils So you can use Four different cheeses Because cheese gets sticky Especially when you're talking about Like a blue cheese Or a brie or something right So cross-contaminating between like if say you had like a uh, cheese with fruit in it you wouldn't want to use the same utensil for that as you do with a blue cheese right they would ruin the flavor of either so having like separate knives for each one at the very least separate knives for each one is important
1: yes uh so you don't contaminate yes yeah um so there is uh there is a woman currently referred to as a cheese rock star in some circles named tia keenan um, and she writes in her book, The Art of the Cheese Plate, Pairing's Recipe Style Attitude, that the cheese plate is the holy grail of entertaining. She writes, a great cheese plate tells a story through an arc of flavors and textures. It can also tell a cultural story of a country, of an animal, of a style of cheese. We eat with our eyes and a great cheese plate is beautiful. We then we next eat with our mouths. A great cheese plate is delicious we eat with our minds a great cheese plate tells us something about cheese about the person who is feeding us and ultimately about ourselves what we like what we love and how we connect to our food and other people it's beautiful but it sounds a little intimidating right right doesn't have to be
0: this is the thing once again like we talked about with the charcuterie like all of this is like the epitome right this Mm -hmm. is the ideal right but If you're throwing a party for friends and you go, listen, straight up, this is your thing. You go, you get a couple blocks of like, this is a Colby Jack, this is a pepper jack, this is a cheddar, right? And you slice those up and you have some crackers out. People are going to have a great time.
1: People love cheese. Right?
0: This is the thing. It's really, really hard to go wrong with putting cheese out, right? Right. Like, it's, it's not difficult. And also, not hard to zhuzh up. Right like you get those things exactly. and if you put them on a nice plate you have nice utensils you add like we're talking about you know olives and almonds and stuff to it. You can have this without breaking the bank you know.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you can also do uh, very similarly to what we talked about with the charcuterie. You can make quadrants right making sure that the cheeses that are uh, adjacent uh, pair well together as well. Um but you don't want to actually have your cheese touch um again, it can like it, it, the it's kind of a living ish thing, so the flavors and the smells and all that kind of stuff can rub together and and not make it as interesting an experience yes, so don't don't let your cheese touch. We're
0: talking about cheese and my tummy is rumbling <laughs> <laughs>
1: um also. Um, some people like to arrange by putting sweeter cheeses more towards the center and the harder cheeses toward the outside. Some people like to do a kind of scale, uh, where the, the it goes from like soft to semi-soft to hard to blue. Like all yes, that kind of stuff. that's what like, I that's what, that's what like I tend to, to lean
0: towards. Yes. Also, oh, let me give you another Travis Macroy top tip. Pre-slice some cheese. This is true with charcuterie and uh, with cheese board. No, psychologically, for some reason, no one wants to be the first person. I right? know. Yeah. So you need to go ahead and have some slices off and ready to go. Mm-hmm. But this is why it's trickier with cheese than it is with meat. Uh, cheese, some cheese, when exposed to the air, will like crust a little bit. Don't do it until like at the start of the party, right? That's not something you want to do. And if you do do it ahead of time, cover it with cling film or plastic wrap or whatever. Um,
1: Some would suggest wax paper.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Um, Something like that,
1: so that the cheese doesn't sweat.
0: Yes, Um, but but I would recommend what you want to do is at the start, like when the party starts and people start showing up. You, as the host, be the person who cuts like the first couple slices so people can start get the moment get the cheese momentum going
1: right so if you are the first to cut into this wheel of cheese you should cut a slender piece about the thickness of a pencil out of the wheel like you're slicing a pie right and then uh, cylindrical cheeses should be sliced into discs as you eat them Uh, pyramid shaped cheese should be cut into one slice and then in half Okay, uh, because that's a, I mean, if it's like pyramid, it's like. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty big. um, And so then you want to make sure that as you are doing it, nobody ends up with just a slice of rind. Yes. Right. So cut from, if it's a wedge, you want to cut from an open side and not from the point. Yes. All right.
0: So I have some questions. You do? Yes, we have some questions here. This is from Charlotte. How can you stop yourself from eating all the cheese?
1: <laughs> uh, could, could you maybe address this? Yes.
0: Here are some top tips from Charles MacGray. You got to circulate, right? Because it, it's very easy for a cheese board or a circuitry board to become a stop, right? To, that you stand in front of it. Do not do that. It should be a conversation point. Right. It is not a plate for you to eat off of. So I would say what you want to do is get a plate, uh, put some cheese and some meat on it and then continue on your journey as you move around. Right. Unless everyone is hovering around the cheese board, at which point you're all picking off of it and you're all doing that. Right. I think that that is fine. But just standing there and continuously like eating from it, get a portion and move on would be my advice.
1: I think that is a really great idea. Um, also. One of the things that helps me slow down eating is talking right. Uh, so if you are if you're really enjoying the cheese plate, ask the host about the cheeses they've they've procured
0: right. And I think that this also holds true uh, if you're at a restaurant right instead of it being a party is depending on when you get it, but rarely, if ever are a cheese plate or a charcuterie board the uh, the entree, um, so I think it is important. It's so easy to sit down you're super hungry and you just want to throw it all in your face. I get that, right? But that's not the point of a cheese board or a charcuterie, um, and and so I think anticipating that the rest of your meal will be coming, and this is just to soften the sharpness of your habitat. but talk about it. Say, "Oh, I really like this one. Absolutely. I think, oh, it goes so well with this, you have to try it, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, I think, makes it a community experience, which is what a cheese board and a charcuterie should be.
1: Um, and I have to say, that if you also find that you are eating too fast, uh, you may choose to employ a fork. Yes. Which will help you slow down instead of using your fingers.
0: Uh, th- this is from a Jessica. Plate and a fork, yes. obviously. This is from Jessica. As someone who is super cheese picky, is it rude if I end up being the main consumer of a certain cheese?
1: As long as you allow everyone else to taste it to their, you know... So that everybody gets a little, little right. bite.
0: Especially at a restaurant where you've ordered it and there's like four portions for four people. Mm-hmm. I don't think it hurts to say like, um, is it okay if I have another piece of the? Like, did everyone get a chance? I think that's fine. Certainly.
1: Um, at a party atmosphere, I think that as long as you don't eat the whole thing, that should be fine.
0: Right. Um, let's see.
1: Because I also, you talked about cheddar. Uh, I also really love a great, sharp cheddar. Yeah. And if I find the one on the board that I like, I'm going to go back for Listen, seconds and yes, thirds.
0: Yes, it's so tempting. Uh, this is from Wolfthorne. What is the etiquette for sharing knowledge about the production of the cheese, bread, wine, etc., without sounding like a know-it-all or like I'm bragging? Uh,
1: I think you have to wait for the question. Yes. Um. If you are... Okay, I'm gonna backtrack just a second. I think you can do a, a general overview of the things that you have laid out for people, um, but then before going into detail about anything specific, you need to wait for someone
0: to ask. I think it also is important to know your audience. Like, sure. I love finding out this stuff. That's why we're on the show. I like finding this stuff out from Teresa, right? And so if somebody said like, oh, do you know why it's like that, right? Or like, an interesting fact about this, right? And if that person is then engaged with it, I think you can keep talking, right? It's a conversation piece, right? Exactly. And if you know something. But I think, listen, it's it, it's a fine, it's a finesse thing, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, you don't want to butt into the conversation and be like, <laughs> let me tell you about Roper, right? But like, I think if you're like, oh, do you know why it's like, like if somebody says like, Oh, I love when they add such and such. It's like, oh yeah, it, it works like this, right? The end, um, right? And, then if, and if they're steer, like
1: that, steer away from the word actually. Oh yeah, um, which has become in in recent times a very let's say quote mansplainy quote yes. word. Um, so stay away from that word. Um, also, yeah. I think that if you uh, keep the keep the technical things down i yes. know that we went through a lot of the technical stuff but like this is a an informational podcast so that if we didn't talk about the technical stuff there'd be nothing to talk about yeah we were so, just be talking
0: about what kind of cheese we like which <laughs> don't get us wrong we'll do we will oh um, a lemony Winsleydale. oh <laughs>
1: Winsleydale.
0: it makes you think of all as a grommet doesn't it sure it? does yeah
1: sure does um so keep keep it away from there unless you find someone just they're like rapt
0: attention. I also think that it helps. We, we talk about this a lot. Speak in I terms. Don't say like. Do you know what you would find fascinating about this? Right, because. That's a weird energy to bring to it. But instead says, "Hey, you know what I think is super cool about this kind of cheese, right? And Absolutely. then you share the fact. And then if they're like, wow, that is cool, right? Like, great, cool.
1: And you can keep building off of right. that. Or do people be like, oh, okay.
0: Because you never <laughs> want to assume someone doesn't know something. Especially, especially if they're the host and they've picked out that cheese. Mm-hmm. Don't assume, never assume someone doesn't know something. That is an uninteresting and bad energy to bring to it. Assume that they also know it, and you're sharing in the joy of that knowledge with them, right? That's uh,
1: lovely, dear. I like that.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, let's see. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but Jeeves wants to know, when serving a platter or board at a party, should you label the different items for ease of identification? Or is the selection uh, you know, of the type meant to be a conversation piece between guests?
1: It depends on, uh, first of all, if anyone has any uh, food aversions or allergies or specific diet requirements. I do suggest that if you know that ahead of time that you do label them Um, just because that kind of like uh, uncertainty standing in front of the cheese board can make people uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm Um, just a
0: boy standing in front of a cheese board (laughs) hoping not to get sick. Uh,
1: So if if you know about those sort of things ahead of time and you know that there's uh, that there's no one in your party who has a specific problem with a specific thing then don't worry about it it can be part of the conversation right but you know know your audience
0: i think also it's important to decide is this going to be a conversation piece or not sure right like there is a difference between having a cheese board on a counter like for example we have like an island in our kitchen right everybody ends up standing around it during parties Cool. We're all going to – it's all right there.
1: We're going to talk about the If you
0: had, like, a separate dining room where you set up all the food and everybody's in the living room, you might want to have it labeled there so that people don't have to keep coming in and going, what kind is this Well, which kind? Which uh, The one on the left, like, that you might want to do just for ease of conversation. Uh, One last question here from Chrissy May Katie. If I can't afford the really nice cheese and stuff, should I even try to do a cheaper – should I even try it at all to do a cheaper version or will it be obvious?
1: Oh, so here's the thing, right? Cheese is delicious. Yes. Uh, I don't even really like the pungent cheeses, but I often can find a cheese on a cheese board that I enjoy. Yes. So, um, like he's like Travis said earlier, if you just go and get blocks of cheese, one that's kind of like mild, one that's a little spicy, and one that's maybe a little like. Oh, like that has an additive, like a horseradish or something. That's enough. That's
0: fine. And the nice thing is we talk about the the like additional stuff, the snackums, as we've been calling it. The nice thing about that is that's not like single serving stuff. Right. A lot of the time what we do when we're setting up a cheese board or a charcuterie or whatever for a party, we look in the refrigerator to see what we have. We look in the pantry to see what we have. We're like, oh, there's some uh, pecans. Oh, oh like here's, here's some pepper jelly. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have some almonds left over, right? And then yeah. you use those. You don't have to, every time you're setting up for a party, go out and buy different things every time. So, and, and here's the thing. The other thing is, very rarely, in fact, I don't know of a time where I put out a cheese plate or a charcuterie thinking, I hope this impresses them. So much as I think, my friends will like this, right? And that's that's really the goal of when we talk about these like communal plates. Uh, and you're talking about like everybody eating from it, right? Mm -hmm. It isn't about it has to be the best. It could be, oh, I'd hate to disappoint them with my cheese choices, right? Like you're having trying to have a fun evening with your friends, and like we talked about fondue before, and we've talked about like these kind of like party atmosphere. If somebody comes to your house and they judge your cheese choice or your charcuterie and they're not impressed that you didn't spend enough money, they should not be your friend. (laughs) That's just a little note from Travis and Teresa to you. That is not a super cool friendship.
1: And here's the thing, right? It is very French, very French to get one single wheel of cheese, put it in the middle of a uh, like a wooden cutting board, surround it with like grapes and then a stack of baguette, and that's it. Yeah, that's all you need. That is a cheese course, very French.
0: And like, like we've been saying, you know, like uh, the cheese rock star, the cheese star side of like first you eat with your eyes, right? So, if you want to, if this is a thing, you're like, every party, I'm gonna have a cheese board and a charcuterie from now on. And you want to make sure it looks nice, no matter how much you spend on it, invest in like a good board. Invest yeah. in a good platter where every time people see it like that. Like I said, we have that one with the drawer and the marble top. Mm-hmm. I got that on clearance at Bed Bath & Beyond, It right? looks
1: very sleek.
0: Right? And I probably spent 15, 20 bucks on it, right? But because I I spent money on it and bought the thing, it makes everything look nicer, and right? And we
1: use it all yeah, the time. Yeah, we use
0: it over and over again. Uh, so that's going to do it for us thank you so much for joining us on this cheesy meaty journey uh, over the last three (laughs) weeks and like we said this was a a, a topic suggestion from Abby if you have a suggestion you're like oh I'd love to hear them talk about this uh, please email us schmannerscast at gmail.com
1: and when we pick those topics we then call for questions on our Twitter which is at schmannerscast correct and then let's see what else what else Uh,
0: Thank you to Max Fun Our podcast home Uh, Go check out all the other amazing shows If you like our show And you aren't listening to Sawbones What are you even doing This is a sister show to to Sawbones They go through the history of stuff They just go through medicine instead of etiquette Go listen to it. (laughs)
1: Um, Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please go and join the Fan Run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners, uh, where you can give and get excellent advice. And that beautiful photo, thank you so much to uh, Bruja Betty Pinup Photography. Uh, That photo was done by them. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. Thank you to Brent Brent Floss Black for our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. And thank you to Alex, our research assistant, uh, as always, uh, so great at organizing. our topics.
0: Oh, and if you like this episode, please tell people. I think charcuterie and cheese boards is probably something a lot of people are interested in and maybe a little intimidated by. Uh, So I think this would probably be a great episode to share. And if this is your first time listening to Schmanners through these episodes, go check out all the other ones. They're really good. I think. And listen, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think they're all very good. Uh, And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week.
1: No RSVP required.
0: You've been listening to Schmanners.
1: Schmanners. Schmanners. Get it?